Hello everyone, welcome to See Through Panel. This is a comic book graphic novel review and discussion podcast. And today I am going to be talking to Bex Ollerton. Uh, she's a former animator turned comic artist. She writes and illustrates introspective comics about mental health, neurodiversity, and the general struggles of being human in an overwhelming world. And you can find her comics on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, on, at, under the handle Schnum. How are you doing, Bex? Hiya, I'm doing very good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you. for So uh, first off, uh, thank you for uh, uh, taking time out of your busy day to talk to me. So the reason why I've decided to kind of talk to comic book artists and creators and stuff like that is I just want to get an idea of behind their process so i just wanted to first start off talking about some of the comics that you've uh created so i want to the, the one that immediately kind of caught my eye was the was the anthology about autism i was just wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit how that came about and the process behind the kickstarter and kind of organizing all the different artists to all the different creators to kind of come together and put you know put that anthology together mm-hmm uh, oh, geez. Okay. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, to actually answer your question, like, oh boy, it sure was an ambitious undertaking for sure. It started out as just kind of like, it was never even going to be like a book. It was just like, hey, it's um, it's Autism Acceptance Month in April. So what if I gathered a bunch of autistic comic creators and we like did a thing together? So I made the vaguest of tweets about it. And then like, literally like dozens and dozens of people responded, yes, yeah, sign me up, sign me up. And I was like, oh boy, lots of people want to do this. So I shoved everyone in a Discord server and it was kind of like, okay, let's, let's just like make comics and post them online. So we really scrambled to do that because it was already... I think it was like the 10th of March when I made that tweet. So we didn't have a lot of time. So we just made comics super in a rush. And then as we were kind of posting them, it was sort of like, what if we maybe put them in a book? Like that would be cool. So that's what we did. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, um, there were so many people involved. There were like 40 people. So it's been oh, really- Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's too many. It, it well, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> It is too many. I think I didn't want to turn anyone down. I had what my original goal was to get, it was to get 30 people. So there'd be like one person for every day or maybe 31. But I didn't want to say no to anyone because then I was kind of like, well, that would be like mean. And I feel like it would go against the spirit of the project. So I just kind of let everyone in. And then it was like, okay, some days we'll just post two comics instead of one. Like, that's fine. More comics is good. But it did sort of become difficult to manage. Also at the same time, I think because everyone I was working with, like me, is also autistic. It was actually surprisingly easy to communicate with everyone and just like be flexible with deadlines. And and yeah, it was actually, it was a really positive experience, even though it was like kind of stressful, but it was like that good stress where you know you're like doing something cool. And then with the Kickstarter, oh my God, I was really nervous about it. I was kind of like, oh my God, like the, the reaction to this so far, the reception has been really positive, but like, I, I don't know, does anyone even want a book? Like, is this thing that people want or do, do I just want to make this like, ah? But then almost immediately it became very clear that people did want it. And we hit like all our stretch goals in like the first day and it was, wow, this is really cool. But also, uh-oh, now we need to think of more stretch goals on the fly. Oh no! <laughs> so... <laughs> so it was uh it was an experience for sure yeah 
it was it was really good it's been like kind of it's very stressful in some aspects but like i wouldn't change it i've, I've had a blast <laughs> yeah and have you kind of delivered like the kickstarter all the kickstarter stretch goals i know some people run into problems yeah 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 <laughs> with that yeah yeah so i ran funny. into yeah. like really big shipping delays so when I made the campaign, oh god, this is my story that other people should learn from. When I made my campaign, I was kind of thinking like, okay, if we do really well, we'll probably manage to shift about 300 books, maybe. So that's what I planned for. I was kind of like, okay, and I'd be able to ship all these books by this time, and it'll take like this amount of energy and this amount of money, and that was the plan. And then we ended up, people ordered like over 2,000 books, and it was kind of like, oh my god, suddenly I found myself in the situation where it was like, oh no, I can't do this on my own in just one week. Uh-oh. So, yeah. so it ended up taking me like two months to get everything shipped, because not only was it the shipping, it was the actual production as well. It was, oh, I'm not just putting in an order for like 300 books anymore, it's like 2,500. So yeah, that, that was the whole thing. As it stands right now, almost everyone's rewards are shipped. I've literally got 10 people whose rewards are still left to ship, and that's because they're people that wanted custom artwork with their orders, and I was kind of like, you people were always going to get done last, and literally everyone's been fine with it. It's yeah. uh, It's kind of difficult in a way, sorry, I'm just <laughs> rambling, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of difficult because it's kind of like when you're late with stuff, you feel like everyone's mad at you, but then literally no one actually is, but it still feels stressful. <laughs> I think when you're, when you're looking, you know, waiting for custom artwork, you've got to expect that's going to take slightly longer than, yeah. than everyone else. And so long as like the lines of communications are kind of clear about, right, we've run into this and this is what we're going to do to sort it. Most people are quite patient and understanding, mm -hmm. uh, especially since you're not like a billion dollar corporation with thousands of people working in logistics who are paid to sort this sort of sure. thing out. It's kind of just, yeah. So yeah, I think most people are really understanding. Yeah, everyone's been uh, super nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, yeah, people really do understand that it's just me in my little room surrounded by boxes. So I did my best. Yeah, so I know. I mean, congratulations on that. It's not lots of creators uh, trip over on on Kickstarter and kind of get it wrong. And I'm not going to get this kind of a famous example. I'm not going to name where he basically burned all his stock. But let's let's not get into oh that story. Boy. It's a bit depressing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So just a little bit more about your work with autism, my nephew's autistic. So it's just you know those comics especially the ones that you wrote kind of struck a, a chord with me a little bit about his what well, everyone's autism is different so kind of but it's still it's still not nice to read about uh other people's experiences of what it's like to to mm -hmm. you know live in a kind of overwhelming world uh i was just wondering one of the things that mentioned in your in your bio was kind of maybe raising uh awareness of neuro uh, diversity mm -hmm. so just wondering are there any other comic books or graphic novels that you think kind of are good representations of neurodiversity or kind of raise awareness around the issues of having autism or Asperger's or, or things yeah so like one of the reasons I wanted to do sensory was because I kind of didn't know of any others like I can think of one other comic specifically about autism and that's camouflage which is about autism in women I think it's called camouflage the the hidden lives of autistic women which is a little bit contentious because like some people 
think that like you know like quote unquote female autism is different and like it's not you know like autism is is autism but it just can present differently in different kinds of people and go unnoticed in women a lot of the time but anyway I'm just getting off track it is a good book it helped me out a lot and I would really recommend it I and that's really that's really the only one like I sometimes think that like maybe there's a lot of people that might be autistic or have ADHD and maybe like either aren't diagnosed or like they don't tell people about it. Because sometimes I'll read like autobio from other artists. I'm not going to say who, like, because that would be invasive. And I'm kind of like, oh, I relate to a lot of this. And like a lot of this seems very um, neurodivergent, if you will. But yeah, I'm. It's there's a real lack of that kind of content, or at least I think so, at least in book form. Like there's a lot of comics and things online like ADHD alien is fantastic, ADHD couples, uh, ADHD brie, like there's literally loads, but there's not that many for autism. I think there's one other autistic comic artist I can think of doing web comics. And I think they're called like Aspie. Oh my God. I can't remember. Uh Oh, maybe like Aspie world or something. I can't remember. Maybe if there's yeah. like a description, we can put a link yeah. there, but yeah, it, it sucks. And I would really like to see more people kind of making content like for autistic people that's labeled as such. I don't know. It's uh It's kind of interesting uh what you what you mentioned there. The only other book that I've come well, the only other graphic novel that I've come across that discusses uh autism in any depth is Invisible Differences by Julie Deches. It's a French graphic novel. Uh, it's an auto, it's an autobiographical account of her discovering well, her discover her journey to getting diagnosed with autism and the stigma that's around in France about getting getting you know, the stigma in France about being autistic and how she found that really challenging in a lot of her work relationship, her personal relationships. But how ultimately she found it really kind of, a, even though it was a difficult journey to go on, how it kind of helped to make sense about a lot of the behaviours that she used to cope yeah. um, mm-hmm. with living kind of every everyday life. And just kind of the other thing I wanted to pick up on there as well, I think the medical profession isn't great at diagnosing problems with women sometimes. No, uh, it's I, not. I just, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of not just with autism, just, you know, I'm just thinking about heart attacks, like, you know the symptoms that women have when they're having heart attacks are quite different sometimes yeah, uh-huh. to the symptoms that uh, men present with. So it's not just that autism. I think the, the medical field has uh, got issues with uh, mm-hmm. treating women in a way that um, the fifty fifty. You know, if you're making up fifty percent of the population, probably should be treated. Oh sure. Better. I mean, don't even get yeah. me started on like periods and sexual health as well. Like that's it's bad. It sucks. I hope yeah. it gets better. There's, there's uh, do you know about the Work in Progress London group? No. So, so they're a, they're a group. Well, they're online at the moment, but I came across them on Meetup. Oh wait, do you mean like and, uh, WIP whip. Comics? Yeah, WIP Comics. Oh, yeah, I mate. used like the Work in Progress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally, I just got they um, they're doing a really interesting sort of anthology thing right now, where it's like they send out little zines as like part of the whole anthology and then you get access to the whole pdf and i just got that like three days ago it's really cool yeah so yeah it's, it's, it's i love i love the group you know joe joe stone's done a fantastic job yeah absolutely uh, keeping thinking keeping things together but one of the I, I i had the opportunity to review their previous anthology and 
there was one comic book in there about Viagra and how Viagra was initially supposed to be, you know, it's kind of initially discovered as a treatment for period pains, but because like men's erections are more important, no research has done <laughs> gone into <laughs> gone into that. You know, you know, proper research has gone into is it an effective treatment for for for, for period pains? We don't know yet. Uh, hopefully, those trials will be forthcoming. But yeah, so. Little tangent. Oh, <laughs> little tangent. Well, that's just typical, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the kind, kind of the some of the other uh, comics that you've got on on your website. So you've got you've got Lavender Clouds, and God, I should have written them down on the list. I'm just looking at your website now. I'll cut this out. You've got Lavender Clouds. It's all got, good. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Lavender Clouds uh, staying afloat and. Uh, kind of the Inktober comics that you did as well. And one of the things that I've noticed, well, one of the imageries, imageries, one of the uh, recurring motifs that I noticed in, in some of your comics is, is around water and sinking. So I was just uh, wondering, how do I frame this question? Why is that an appealing motif for you to to kind of use? What appeals to you about using the water and journeys over the sea and sinking and swimming? as uh, kind of metaphors for, you know, the stories that you're trying to tell. Sure. Okay, I can give you two answers. I can give you, like, the honest answer and then the sort of um, retconned artistic answer. So the honest answer, the ridiculous answer, um, is that I'm really into Kingdom Hearts. And, like, a big thing in that game, like, at the in the sort of intro of every game, there's a character that sort of falls into water. And there's also, like, oh, my God, it's so stupid. There's, like, characters and they go on a raft or, like, they want to go on a raft because they want to find new worlds and stuff. And I played that game when I was, like, 11. And, it like, it's my special interest. It left, like, a huge impact on me. And it kind of, like, affected who I am as a person. So, like, I think that's the reason that I love, like, water and, like, I love being on the beach and like swimming and like just floating and existing. So that's the honest answer. The retconned artistic answer is just that water has a lot of symbolism that's really great. You know, water can be like light and you can feel like liberated when you're in water. You can feel weightless or you can feel heavy, like you're drowning and like being hit in the face with all these currents and tidal waves that are coming at you. And it's just so versatile and like fun to draw as well like i'm not very good at drawing water but it is still fun to draw yeah and those are those are the reasons <laughs> so it's curious you mentioned kingdom hearts because the thing that kind of occurred to me with with some of the imagery is that it kind of reminded me of wind waker oh interesting yeah so yeah so now that's that that's 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 really good the other thing i i, I might as well ask this question now is just having a quick lo- look over your twitter kind of like what's up with them them shoes that you bought oh mate uh, <laughs> these shoes are literally the best thing i own right now i have them right next to me like i, I see i'm seeing them right now oh my god they're so cool so someone posted someone that i follow posted a screenshot of like i'm really into evangelion and they had the same website that i bought these shoes off had like an ava collection and i was like mate i want those shoes so I checked the website, but they were sold out. And I was like, no. But then I was like, well, maybe they've got some other cool shoes. So I go on the homepage and these were like the first thing that I saw. And I was like, oh my God, like, could these shoes be any more amazing? So I don't like, like I'm disabled and I have like really kind of like messed up feet. So shoes is not something I buy for myself like ever, but I was literally like, 
I am willing to suffer for these shoes. Like, honestly, it's also because I've got like, because I'm going to start doing conventions again very soon, worryingly soon. I'm kind of like, I could, I could treat myself to some nice shoes to wear to conventions and nowhere else because that would be embarrassing. But then I'm also like, what if I just wore them to like Tesco? What if I just owned it? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because that's just kind of that as it was my initial thought. Like, when are you going to be able to like wear? <laughs> where those shoes but yeah comic conventions obviously um so i know you're uh kind of that kind of streams nicely into my next question about thought bubble i understand that you've you've got plans for, for for attending there how excited how excited are you about being uh back amongst comics creators and fans and uh that sort of thing oh my god you have no idea i'm literally ugh, i cannot wait obviously i'm still a bit nervous as well because like COVID cases are still not great right now, to say the least. But I know that Thought Bubble in particular has a really good COVID policy. Like, I don't think you can even go to the event unless you've got a certificate to say that you're vaccinated. And I'm double vaxxed. I was, I'm disabled. So I got double vaxxed in like March, which was really great, actually. I have been like super self-isolating throughout this whole thing. I haven't seen pretty much anyone that isn't family or my partner. So I am going to lose my mind when I'm finally able to be around like comic people and fans and just like creators again. In a good way, I hope. Um, I'm sure it'll be quite overwhelming, but like I'm literally so excited. I'm also kind of like I'm in the middle of sort of last minute convention prep right now. And it's kind of like, oh god, I haven't made merch in like the last two years. Uh oh, I don't have anything to sell. But then it's like, well, I do have stuff. I just need to actually get it printed and make the stuff. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the the next well next question I was going to ask is what you're going to be taking taking to a thought bubble and the other con- conventions that you're going to. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I'll have like sensory with me. That's going to be like the big cool hardback. And I'm also going to have, I've got like sketchbooks and stuff of like sketches that I've done from the last couple of years. Um, That's always fun. I'm going to have Lavender Clouds, which is like all my autobio stuff, which I'm mostly known for. I'm going to do like a reasonably small print run of that and have those. I'm going to do, I've got Staying Afloat as well, but I need to design a front cover for it and get it printed like today. <laughs> <laughs> So that I have that in time. I've got loads of books. I, um, I've i done like a little, I got all my hourly comics from, I, I assume you know about hourly comic day. It's on like 1st of February. Yeah. yeah. So the last three years of that, I've put those into a little book and I've got that. And yeah, and then I just need to, I need to make some prints. Um, I don't know what I'm making yet, but I'm sure I will make something. <laughs> yeah. That's, it sounds, it's just exciting to get back into yeah it's so exciting i can't wait Uh, so it kind of in in your comics you kind of mention that sometimes social interaction can be um, overwhelming you need kind of like time to recharge Mm -hmm. after that is that something you're thinking about going back into these conventions things have you kind of planned ahead yeah for that are you going to see how how it rolls yeah absolutely that is like a huge thing for me like maybe you wouldn't know it because i'm so charming and charismatic but like (laughs) like literally after this podcast i'm gonna be like okay time to do nothing and like calm down for a while (laughs) just because like you know i love talking to people and like it's really exciting for me and i enjoy it but it does take a lot I think conventions are kind of, they're manageable because like, even if it's like a three day weekend, like, you know, going into it exactly.
exactly what you're getting into. And I've done conventions before, so it's not like, well, actually, this is going to be my first thought bubble, which is really exciting. But, you know, I've done like MCM, so I kind of, I know what I'm getting into. One of the ways that I have kind of like prepared for that really is something that I kind of really want to do is um, like share accommodation with like other comics people and have like a little party. But like, for me, I know that that would be too much. Because it's like, I think I'm going to need the evenings to just sort of like chill out and not see people. So as much as that would be fun, it is kind of like, okay, no, you know, I need to be sensible. You know, like this is a marathon, not a sprint. So, so yeah. And just kind of like withdrawing in that way, like when it's, when it's over. But yeah. also, you know, I, I can do a three day weekend. It'll be fine. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, let's see, you know. People, you know, comics people wilding out after eighteen months uh, locked away is is going to be overwhelming for 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 anyone. Yeah, anyway, they yeah, probably do need absolutely. to rest in the evening. So, well, I um, think people will get it. You... Sorry to cut you off. I think like yeah. um, it, you can kind of probably go up to people and be like, "Oh, geez, I've not seen anyone in a while. This is quite overwhelming. I need to take a break." And even people who aren't autistic or neurodivergent will get it. They'll be like, "Oh no, same. Like this is quite a lot, isn't it? After two years of not this." So that will be yeah. nice, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So I was just, I was just gonna um, kind of change track. Uh, one of the themes that, one of the things I noticed about reading a lot of your comics is a lot of them focus on hardship, but there's also kind of this underwork, un, underwhelming, underwhelming. That's the wrong word. A lot of your comics focus on hardship, but there's this uh, theme that goes through through them about hope and optimism. And I was just wondering, are you quite a hopeful, optimistic person? Because I've kind of, I'm quite pessimistic. I've got, kind of got a heart of coal. So it's just, I'm just interested in how, how, how much of people, how much of creators, uh, how much of themselves they put into their comics. So I was just wondering, you know, why that, uh, that, why that line of hope and optimism through the, mm-hmm. through, through the work. Oh, geez. Hope is an interesting one for me. Cause like I do. It's weird because I feel like you would look at my body of work and I think it kind of gives across the impression that I'm like miserable all the time. Um, but like <laughs> I, I, would, I I don't really I don't really yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I didn't Yeah, well, I mean you just said the opposite, so clearly this is my own insecurity talking. But yeah, I uh I do think of myself as being quite optimistic. I think I'm a realist. Like I try I'm hopeful if I think it's reasonable to get my hopes up. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But if I think I'm in sort of like a, a situation where it's not good, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain because honestly, my mood changes so much. So like sometimes I really, especially if I'm like super depressed, I'll be like, uh, it's all meaningless and there's no hope. But then like, I don't know, I come out of that after a while and I'm like, no, like there's still there's things I can do. Like even if it's like a small win, like a win is still a win, even if like to other people it wouldn't be. Like as long as it's a win for me, like that's it's good and 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 that makes me feel hopeful. Um, but at the same time, like I think this is something that I wanted to explore in like a future project that like the groundwork is not done yet for, but like it's something I've been thinking about a lot, which is hope as kind of like you know sometimes hope is the thing that keeps you in like a bad situation so like you know you can keep hoping i mean like the context of this work that i want to make is an abusive relationship so 
like a uh, trigger warning for that for anyone listening but like yeah so if you're in like an abusive relationship like hope might be the thing that keeps you in that bad situation it might be like oh i hope this will get better like i'm sure it'll get better if i just hang on to hope but then like it doesn't and you have to accept that to leave and to make things better for yourself so hope is good but sometimes it can be bad <laughs> i guess is what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's yeah. Sorry, that was unexpectedly it's, it's, heavy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You do have one one comic on your website that does talk a little about a little bit about yeah abusive That's relationships. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really true. I don't think I've got the emotional intelligence to ask the the question sensitively. So that's kind of why I was uh, kind of staying away, um, staying, staying away from that one. But, but I brought it up how, anyway. How, <laughs> yeah, how, when, when, so I, I write a little bit myself and it's always, you always feel a little bit vulnerable when you create a piece of work. How, how do you deal with that kind of vulnerability in terms of talking about such, you know, something that's happened to you, might have been a painful experience how do you prepare yourself to put that work out there or prepare to, to you know prepare to put pen pen to paper so to speak mm-hmm. how do you prepare yourself for that because I, I've, I've i know that there's stuff in my life that i'm i, I wouldn't be able to, to to you know to write about so i was just wondering how you how, how do you go about how do you go about doing that sure well, I think like, God, it really depends on what I'm working on. So there's some things, you know, like this this comic that I alluded to five yeah. seconds ago is something that I've wanted to make for like years, but I haven't quite been able to like take the plunge yet. Um, so I'm, I'm not all the way there myself, you know, like there's some things where it's just, you kind of have to weigh like, because so like for my autobio stuff and for epithelium as well, it was like, this was cathartic to make, this was good. Um, and I think the reason that that is, is because while... You know, there's a lot of reading between the lines with them, and um, but the actual like scripting and making them is kind of surprisingly vague. A lot of the time, you're kind of like alluding to a feeling or like an event, some more so than others. Um, But if you're trying to be like, if you're wanting to be like really specific with something, I think that's where it gets kind of difficult because it's like weighing the sort of catharsis of making it versus the fact that you're going to have to relive like a bad experience to make the work. And I think if you're going to do that, you need to be you know, really confident that it's something that you want to do, like not only for other people to read, but also like for yourself. I really liked, I don't know, actually, no, I'm not going to talk about that because that's spoilers. Never mind. So like with epithelium, I don't actually know how I managed to make that. I made it in like two days, just in kind of like a, I need to make a comic for a, for Glasgow Comic Con. I don't have one. Oops, guess I should make one. <laughs> and then I just made it. And I'm really, I'm really proud of it. I think it's one of like my best comics, um, if just for what it means to me. Like, yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, god. I guess it's one of those things where no one can really tell you how to do it. You just kind of have to do it. And I think another thing that makes it easier for me is that, like, I don't know why this is, but I find it easier to sort of make a comic and just put it out onto the internet and be like, here it is for anybody who wants it rather than to actually sort of talk to someone like in real life about something. And, you know, people can decide for themselves how healthy that is. But yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, making something and knowing people will read it has never really been something that bothers me. Because for me, it, it works for yeah, me. That's something I struggle with that all the time. I just think, oh, this guy. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh, were we so, about uh, to have a moment? 
<laughs> yeah, no. Um, so I wonder, let's get into um, questions about your process. So you've decided to create a comic. What, what tools do you use? Do you work digitally? Do you work with uh, ink and paper? Kind of how, how, does that, how does that work for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you can pretty much tell by looking that I work digitally. So I used to work traditionally before I had the tech, but... I, I can't, I cannot work traditionally like I would love to. So many of my favorite artists um, work traditionally and I see their lines and their beautiful artwork and I'm like, oh, I want that in my own art, but it's just never going to happen. I love working digitally mostly because it's so versatile. You can like change things around. You never have to commit, which is great because I'm a coward. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, that you can erase all the time. But also one of the things that I think kind of goes under discussed about working digitally is that, I mean, apart from, you know, the fact that it can be expensive, it's accessible for people with like disabilities. So I have GBS. I've had it since I was like five years old, which sucks, but it's fine. And I've got tremors in my hands. So I really struggle to get like smooth line art, but I have a stabilizer. I use Lazy Nesume, which is an amazing, amazing tool. It's um, a plugin for Photoshop. It's so good. I highly recommend to like anyone. And that basically allows me to create the kind of work that I always wanted to create, but I never could like when I was working on paper. So so that's amazing. It's it's great. I love digital art. I use Photoshop because I'm still in the depths of being an absolute Adobe stan, even though I shouldn't be because they kind of suck, but it's fine. Ah, <laughs> I hate change. I can't change. I tried Clip Studio Paint, but I just couldn't take, I couldn't change. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of artists recently and a lot of them choose to work digitally these days because, you know, just as convenience, convenience facts. This came up in an interview I did with someone else, but what he does is, I spoke to an artist called John, and what he does, he takes his iPad and he'll go out to the park and he'll just draw his work there. So kind of where where do you work do you you know do you take an ipad with you and and doodle or do you have your your tech set up at home kind of what environment do you need to be in to kind of create your create your work okay yeah so both really like i have an ipad um which i treat more as a sketchbook i cannot make professional work on the ipad i know so many people who do and i don't know how they do it i think it's because um like i was saying about the stabilizer the ipad does not yet have like a really usable stabilizer for creating like line art um like it kind of does but also not really so i think that's the reason and i love to take it in sketch but i can't do any like professional comics or anything on it my setup is mostly like Oh God, I'm such an unprofessional. I really like to just sit in bed. I've got one of those little fold out <laughs> desks. I'm using it right now. I'm in my pajamas. Yeah. I have my fold out desk with my laptop on it. And then I have a little Cintiq that um, plugs into the side. I try and use a desk like, but oh God, it's, I don't know what I don't like about desks. It just, I think it feels too professional. And this, what I'm doing right now is really bad for my posture. So like, I would not recommend it. And everyone should use a desk. I think like the ideal setup is like either a standing desk or a kneeling desk. But no, I need to just, I need to be chill. I love to like just sit in bed. I've got my little table. I've got my Cintiq. And then I have like Netflix on or something. And it's like the most chill thing. Like it, it's good. Yeah, so you've got uh, Netflix on in the background. A lot of the people I've spoken to in this series, they use music yep. in, in the background and stuff like that. So that's, uh, that's good. Uh, what is your scripting? process like do you write out a full script do you storyboard how do, how does that 
tend to work for you? Oh, it's a mess. It's it's an absolute mess, my scripting process. So it really depends on what I'm doing. For like my autobio stuff, it's like usually if I'm just like out and about doing stuff and I'm struck with a feeling, then I'll just like write it down. And that can be like sometimes it's like exact so it'll be like oh the finished comic will be exactly how it's scripted other times it'll be like (laughs) i don't know it'll just be something stupid like three words like why am i sad today think about it (laughs) it's like what did this mean when i'm reading it like two months later for like fiction my scripting process is way different it's i think i'm not very good at writing fiction which is why i don't tend to do it honestly my ideal situation would just be to work with a writer but yeah when i am scripting i'm like you know i'm reading books i'm reading like save the cat how to write a novel i'm reading the art of story i'm writing down the 12 hit points of the hero's journey i'm in three act structure it's yeah it's um it's very intense and i think that's probably why i'm not so good at it because it doesn't like come naturally to me i feel like i have to try really hard to like make something make sense another thing that i really like is um myro which is like a little app that you can basically create like a charlie kelly conspiracy board yeah it's like a big mind map and it's amazing and that's really helpful because it's visual but yeah my, my scripting process is uh it's very wild it's untethered <laughs> in terms of like creating so I, I, I suppose it's going to vary from whether you're creating autobio or a fictional comic. How long does it usually take you to from from beginning to to finish to to create a comic? Uh huh. Yeah. So autobio takes me like it really depends on the comic because like sometimes my autobio is really simple. It's like two panels. Sometimes it's like four panels or five or like a little bit more. But usually one of those will take me about three hours. I feel like you would look at them and be like, it should take less, but I draw slowly. So, so yeah. Um, anything that I'm working on that's like, you know, sort of like, um, you know, your typical comic size that isn't just like a square, um, maybe like a page a day, maybe slightly less. Like, I draw really slowly. I hear so many comics pros that are like, yeah, I can do like three pages a day. And I'm like, can't relate, honestly. Like, cannot. So, so yeah, it, it takes a while. You mentioned there uh, with fictional comics you would prefer to work with <laughs> with fictional comics you mentioned that you would prefer to work with a writer how, how, how do you feel about uh, collaborating more more gen- generally do you find it easy to come across collaborators how do you manage that relationship especially when you're kind of taking on commissions and things of that nature uh-huh yeah so um it's weird because like when I was kind of starting out, I felt very much like, yeah, I'm a lone wolf. I don't need no one. I like, I didn't, I think because I had a really weird time at university where they kind of force you to collaborate with people that don't, it's just not necessarily a good fit. So I kind of came into like my- That's just yeah. preparing you for, for real life. It's now, true. You know, it's true. Um, <laughs> it's very true. But I kind of came into my career sort of thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to make comics and I'm going to do it all on my own and then I'll never have to collaborate. And also because, you know, like people are very overwhelming and it tires me out. But I've really surprised myself because it turns out that actually I love to collaborate and I love working on other people's stories and I love working with writers and like have people sort of give me feedback. Like I used to be terrified of like, you know, um, like critique But now I'm like, no, please give me the critique. It helps me get better. Like, it's great. Writers, like, are really nice to work with as well. Like, I think my one, like, preferred caveat for working with a writer is just that they know how to write for comics. 
because there's a really big difference between someone who is used to writing like prose and novels and then writing for a comic script because like I've worked with people who are not used to writing for comics and they'll say something like um I don't know like page one panel one character jumps off the swing and then does a twirl and then does something else and it's like it's impossible to do all of that in one panel you're talking about like three panels of of story here which means the comic's going to be like three times as long but then you're not going to want to pay me three times the amount of pages so how do i do this Ah! so so yeah that's that's my one caveat because it can just get very stressful and it's no one's fault like you know inexperience isn't like a, a bad thing inherently it's just it is what it is yeah i think the other thing is there's no one fix comic book script yes format you've got the marvel method you've got the dc method the one that i tend to use these days is the one uh set up i think his name's oh, what's his name fred van lint he's got like a script format that he posted up on his blog that i think is is really clear and useful and t- i went to a course with tony lee about comic book script writing and he goes for just one action per panel yeah you need to limit the amount of uh dialogue that's on on the page because you don't want the words kind of like covering the art yeah the, the art is possibly uh-huh. most of the heavy lifting as well and just, yeah like, like you said it just it takes time it's kind of like it's one of those things where you see a beautiful painting in a gallery and you think oh, it'd be really great for a comic to be made out of that style but then you think telling uh you know telling a sequential story using art is its own skill not everyone can do it and it's the same thing for writing it takes time to develop develop those those, those skills it's not it's not necessarily automatic. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's difficult, I think, as well, especially if you're used to writing in one style and then you have to transition to another. Like, I mean, it's the same with art. Like, if you're used to painting like realism and then um, you have to switch to cartooning, it's it's a whole different skill set. How do you kind of manage your manage your time at the moment? That's the that's the uh, other question I've been kind of curious to to ask people because uh, yeah, <laughs> I see you giggling. <laughs> <laughs> How does one manage their time? What a question for the ages. Badly? No, I don't. Yeah. I'm not giving myself enough credit. Actually, I'm doing okay. So, oh god, it sounds so cliche. I hate saying this, but I use a planner and it's really helpful for me. But it, it's become a bit of a cliche, especially in sort of um, neurodivergent communities where it's like. Oh God, someone will say like, you know, maybe someone with ADHD will be like, oh, I really, I can't focus. And I like, I really struggle to know what to do. And then like a neurotypical person will be like, why don't you just use a planner? So like people hate hearing that, but it really does work for me. Um, And I wouldn't push it on other people, but it does work for me. I use a bullet journal. And I think the thing that I really like about that is that it's so flexible. So what I tend to do is write down like, you know, on a Monday, I'll get up and I'll write down my goals for the week or like, yeah, goals for the week in like no particular order. And then on each day I can decide what goals I'm going to do when. So like the most important things I'll be like, well, I'll do them on the Tuesday. Let's be realistic. I'm not doing things on Monday. (laughs) Monday is actually usually a really bad day for me, but Tuesday is good. So important things get done on Tuesdays. (laughs) Um... But yeah, obviously, though, it doesn't always work. So like, I really struggle with um, executive dysfunction and like, oh, God, so often I'll, oh, God, it's like I need to be doing something and I know I need to do it today. But oh, whoops, I just spent two hours scrolling Twitter for no reason. Uh Oh, which is, yeah, yeah, it's embarrassing to talk about because it sounds so unprofessional. 
but um but I do I I like to think that I'm good at getting things done but there's also a lot of time where I'm not good at getting things done so I think it's like you know the time that you spend being like really productive and the time that you spend being like not very productive at all kind of balance each other out so I think I'm doing okay but it does tend to be very a bit hectic when you kind of operate like that it's not ideal but it's fine <laughs> the other kind of follow-up question to that is how did you go about developing your style I think I think I see a lot of manga influences there's a little bit of Tilly Walden in there as well so I was just wondering kind of how did you develop the style and yeah a lot of your comics a lot of the characters don't have noses and I was just kind of wanting to ask a little bit about that as well oh man the nose thing has a whole backstory so it's like (laughs) well not really um but like I used to I used to not even realize that I wasn't drawing the noses. Like, this is when I was like a teenager. And it was something that I never realized. And then one day, one of my friends said to me, they were like, why don't you ever draw noses? Like, it's always really bothered me. Like, it really annoys me about your art. Why don't you draw noses? And I was kind of like, ah, oh no, this is, ah, oh no, critique yeah. that I'm not prepared for. Um, and they were a bit mean about it as well. So I was kind of like, oh shit. I didn't even realize that this was a thing that I wasn't doing because I guess I just wasn't really thinking about it. I was just drawing what sort of what was in my heart, if you will. Um, So then I went the other way and I drew like massive, like really like try to give my characters noses. And then I kind of was like, this isn't working. It doesn't look right. I'm just not going to do it. So now I don't draw noses, but I completely own it. So I'm like totally comfortable <laughs> with the fact that I don't draw noses. Like any insecurity that you're picking up in, picking up on is like all you. But yeah. but yeah, I do draw noses if I'm drawing in like a more I hate I hesitated to say more realistic style because it's not realism. But like I have like a more sort of robust comic style that I don't bust out very often because it's a lot of work. But I do draw noses. Yeah, there. I, mean, I was noticing some of the fan art you drew, kind of the the Cora, not Cora. Who am I thinking of? Oh, what's the name of the other waterbender? Oh, what? Oh, Katara. Katara. Katara, yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> Katara and the the um the Sailor Moon stuff as well. So you can draw noses. I was just wondering um, a little bit about I that. And how do you, how like did you, how, yeah, yeah, you just don't like doing it. And kind of a lot of your characters have got those uh, uh, big eyes. Uh, what what kind of, apart from the fact that, you know, having big eyes makes it really easy not easy, it makes it uh, more clear what the emotional expression of the, the character is going to be, kind of what drew you, what what inspired you to kind of um, develop that style? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think we both know it's anime. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, plot twist, um, and this kind of ties back to the no-noses thing as well. The thing that started, that I started drawing when I started drawing was actually Powerpuff Girls, which have massive eyes oh, yeah. and no noses. Yeah. So I yeah. think that like like the first comic I ever did was, oh my God, I was like 10 and I used to make uh, little Powerpuff Girls fan comics and they were like super dramatic. Like the Powerpuff Girls always then like, they always died and then like got resurrected. I was always dramatic and I kind of loved this for myself. But, um, but yeah, so um, that's like the origin story. But then I discovered anime and like Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff when I was in my teens and like Kingdom Hearts and, and I'm a massive weeb. I think you can tell from my <laughs> shoe choices recently. But yeah, it's uh, it's all anime. When I was in art school, um, my, my, my art style was like way more anime. It was like super moe, if you will. And I had a crit once with one of the lecturers and he was basically like, I hate anime. And I was like, oh, 
So I went back to like my friends in art school and I was like, did you know that like sometimes tutors hate anime? And they were all like, yeah, like everyone knows that art school hates anime. And I was like, anime is the only thing I can draw. Oh no. (laughs) It was a huge shock to me. Like literally everyone who knows anything about art school knows this. And I didn't. And I was like, oh my God. So then I like, I tried to make my style like less anime, which I think is where the bean face kind of comes in. I kind of do like that Steven Universe bean face sometimes. Well, yeah. all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of like, well, our school likes cartoons, but they don't like anime. So what if I like fuse the two together? And like people often tell me that my style looks like Scott Pilgrim, which to me is really funny because I've literally never read Scott Pilgrim. But I think I wonder if it's like the same sort of thing, like kind of wanting to have like a bit of a mixture between like traditional Eastern mm. and Western cartooning, cartooning. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've only it's been ages since I've read a Scott Pilgrim comic, but that's not that's not something that um would have occurred to me. But yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, kind of obvious that you have got that anime yeah, <laughs> inflected uh, <laughs> style. So you've you've t- you've talked a little bit about some of your favorite uh, comic books, uh, well, cartoons. Uh, growing up so i was just wondering what are you reading at the moment uh in terms of like graphic novels or watching in terms of anime and all that sort of thing oh geez okay um well what i'm watching right now is the easiest to answer because i'm re-watching all of the evangelion films um i i love ava i love the show but i haven't seen the last film yet so this week i've been watching them all and then i'm gonna watch the last one tonight uh and i'm very excited for it i hope it's good i've heard good things i don't have a lot of time to watch a lot of anime like lately i am um, i'm one of those people that tends to just re-watch like the same thing i've already seen a million times i don't i don't know why like uh yeah it's one of those things what am i reading um i'm reading i've got like a massive shelf of comics that i haven't read yet what's on there uh road queen is on there gender queer is on there oh i can't there's one by um rosemary valero o'connell is that their name I really like their art style. Um, and they did a comic that I really like called Don't Go Without Me. But there's another one called uh, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me, which is on my to read list as yeah, well. Yeah, I've just got um, I've just got a notification from my library that I need to go pick that up. So, oh yay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to I need to I need to read that. Oh well, um, maybe we'll be reading well. it at the same time. That will be nice. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Oh, there was one thing I didn't ask you about. So you've got an agent now. You've got you're working with Tara Gilbert. Kind of, what's that like? Oh, um, lovely. Is nice? Tara yeah. is the best. I um, yeah, I <laughs> I can't say too much because uh, I have a bit of news that should be coming out. Hopefully, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but I can't say. Because tell, 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 no, tell, 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 tell. No. <laughs> okay. Peer pressure, peer pressure. <laughs> oh, geez. No, I, I would love to. I've been sitting on this for a while, but um, but I can't yet, unfortunately. Okay. But working with an agent okay. is fantastic. It's um, It feels... Oh, God. I'm going to tell this story. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> I'm such a brat. Like, I made a comic, like last year at some point and I was kind of I was really feeling you know like um people who are sort of my age or like even younger and this isn't something that usually bothers me but it it did in that moment and you know like people having agents and like putting books out someone's like I'm 22 and I've just written my fifth graphic novel and I'm like how so I made a comic and I was like omg I'm so far behind all of my peers like everyone's so far ahead of me like oh I wish I had an agent (laughs) 
And then Tara reached out to me and she was like, oh, I thought you would have been agented. Do, do you want an agent? And I was like, mate, that would be amazing. So that's the story yeah. of how that happened. So I guess the answer is if you want something, just be a big baby about it in a very public setting. Oh my God, that's yeah, not good think, advice. But <laughs> I, think, I think, well, you know, as my cousins always used to say, you know, the squeaky wheel does get the oil. So, you know, you ask and you shall you shall receive so oh, uh, kind of a, 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 a bit of a big question what does success look like for you oh that is a big question what does success look like for me um god I think it's difficult to answer because for me the goalposts of success are constantly shifting so what success looks like to me you know, like when I was first starting out in my career and it was just kind of like, I just want people to read my comics. And that's still true. But now it's like, you know, I'm an adult. I need to pay the bills. I want to start a family someday. So I need to make money. So if this is, if I'm going to be successful at my job, like I do need to make money. Um, and on the other hand, I'm like, that's very capitalist of you, Bex. Like art shouldn't be like that. But also like we live in a society. So, you know, you, you got to make money. Um, but also, like, I think really, like, as someone who I kind of said this earlier, but like, I've had a comic that I've been trying to make for like, you know, the last few years, and it's just like a bit too big for me. I think comics are really hard to make. So I think literally just making a comic is a success. Like, if you can make stuff, like, that's a win. And like, even if you don't, like, even if you can't sell it, or like, even if no one's really reading it, like, that's still important, and you still made it, and it was still difficult, and you achieved something. And I think it's really important to like, you know, reflect on that, I guess, and be like, yeah, that's a success. That's valid. Like, it's it's really hard. Like, if you struggle with like motivation or just like the something in your way and like, yeah, especially for people who work, you know, like full time jobs or they have kids as well or like just aren't like in a position of privilege to be able to make comics all day like I do. And I still struggle, even though it's what I do full time. So it's like, yeah, like success is just making the thing really. Yeah. I think I think that's very true. I, I've I've really struggled to write, and that's why I'm podcasting. I should be writing my uh, comics or novel or whatever it is. But I've I've you know decided to to do these podcasts instead. And then when I'm supposed to be doing the podcast, I'll be thinking about the scripts I'm supposed to be doing and all this other sort of thing. So yeah, just getting the <laughs> thing done is 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 the win. So um, I, I guess you're not going to be able to talk too much about this. But um, what are you going to be doing next? What am I going to be doing So you mentioned Fort Bubble. Um, You've mentioned you're going to be at Fort Bubble. Are there any other conventions that you're going to be? There are. Um, um, yeah. Oh, geez. I don't know if I can talk about this either. I'm uh, oh, Okay. I'm going to be a guest speaker at a convention this year, but I don't know if I can tell you which one. Okay, sure. <laughs> all right. It's all it's all secret. See, it just sounds like you've got lots of big secret projects that you're not Oh, my God. See, this is the thing. No, People see fun. me doing nothing on Twitter and just, like, making tweets when I procrastinate. But it's like, you know, I've got a lot going on behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Se secret projects. Okay. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Oh, geez. Well, I think even if that were the case, I've rambled so much with every answer that I've probably hit all the bases, to be honest. So, <laughs> Okay. And uh, kind of finally, can you please tell my listeners where they can find you on the internet, social media, and all that good stuff? Of course, I would love to. Um, so I post my comics under the handle Schnum, which is stupid because it's got a lot of silent letters. It's spelled S-C-H-N-U-M-N. -N. 
Um, and you can find me on pretty much every platform. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, um, also Tapas and YouTube, I guess. Um, my story's closed right now, so I don't have that to plug. But yeah, follow me on Twitter. I tweet about shoes now, I guess. <laughs> this is this is a, a shoe review uh, account now. It is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, leaves me to say uh, thank you, uh, Bex, for taking the time to speak to me day- today. It was uh, it was really nice to get to learn about the projects you that you're uh, that, that you've worked on and just about your artistic pro- uh, uh, process as well so so thank you oh no thank you it was it was really nice to talk to you too it's uh it's always nice to talk about creative stuff because it gets the creative juices flowing for me it's very motivating <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we're going to be getting back to doing review we're going to be getting back to doing reviews in the uh, next episode uh we're going to have uh seafood panel all-star returning uh john swatchert is going to be reviewing a comic book with me which is going to be really nice guys if you could please uh, uh subscribe if you can rate leave a rating review to the podcast wherever you you find it it really helps other people discover it and if you can give us some money either by the affiliate link or the tip jar that are in the episode description um, let's say bye to the listeners, Bex. Bye. Hi, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>